You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Now I've got an amazing product and an amazing innovation that I've got to tell you about. Johnny O. Now, Johnny O invented and patented the tweener button. What that is, is a hidden button between the second and third button featured on all Johnny O shirts. The tweener button is the first patented button to make sure that you're not too buttoned up and not too unbuttoned. Bottom line is this. The hidden button solves the age-old second button dilemma. I mean, do you button one or do you button two? Now you know. Every Johnny O shirt comes with their patented tweener button, so you're always going to look just right. It is a total game changer. Trust me, you don't want to be rolling around with all your chest hair out. That's a real problem, but it's not if you use the tweener button. Find out for yourself. You can, in fact, use the promo code ROAM and get 20% off your first order at johnny-o.com at checkout through May 30th. That's 20% off the regular price button-ups, which come in a range of fabrics, patterns, and styles. And shipping is free for orders over $85. That's johnny-o.com, promo code ROAM for 20% off your first order and free shipping on orders over $85. johnny-o.com. I sat with Johnny O. I get his vision. It's a great product. Check it out now. You know, hey, somebody doesn't feel good, raise your hand. You know, go see a doctor. You know, colonoscopies. I mean, go get them done. Look, I'd rather see you go have 24 years, uh, 24 hours of a crappy day, literally, instead of having to go through six months of, of chemotherapy. Hey now, welcome to the Jim Rome Podcast. This is Ep 78. My guest is my guy, Eddie Olchek. Ed is a Stanley Cup champion. He is also a U.S. Hockey Hall of Famer. He is the lead hockey analyst and horse racing analyst for NBC. He is an extremely well-respected handicapper. And with the Stanley Cup playoffs popping and the run for the Roses, only a couple of weeks off, it was the perfect time to run down my guy, Edzo. Nobody can talk puck and ponies like Eddie Olchek. And we covered a lot more than the Stanley Cup playoffs and the Kentucky Derby. This is a tremendous conversation, which covers a lot of ground and one that I know you will enjoy. So let's get at it. Ep 78 with Eddie Olchek starts right now. Eddie, I've got to say, I know how busy you are right now, but at the same time, I know this is your favorite time of year. You've got the Stanley Cup playoffs. The first Saturday in May is right around the corner. As busy as you are, I've got to ask you, how is your life? How are things? Uh, everything is good, Jim. Always good to be with you, pal. And uh, you're right. This is uh, this is where the, uh, the blood gets pumping and the juices start flowing. Uh, you get to play off hockey, and uh, we're right at, we're. we're we're a short period of time from the first Saturday in May, and then I'll uh, I'll switch my uh, I'll go from my uh, hockey helmet from my hockey helmet to my uh, jockey's lid and uh, get to the Kentucky Derby and coverage for NBC. But it is a uh, a great time of year, a lot of excitement in both worlds, and. Uh, no better world than pucks and ponies, so I'm really looking forward to it. Now, you and I could talk about both those worlds right here, but in terms of playoff hockey, Eddie, I think I want to be cognizant of the audience, and I think a lot of people listen to this because you know they maybe want to check out the brand or maybe they know a little bit about you, but they don't really know the game the way they should know the game. In terms of playoff hockey, I've always said it as a host, and I'm not coming off it, the NHL postseason is the best postseason in any sport, but that's just me behind a mic. You've won a Stanley Cup. You know what it takes. You might be biased, but for your money, is 
Is the Stanley Cup the hardest trophy in all of sports to win? And if so, what makes it so? Well, it is because just because you get in as a number one seed, Jim, or a top team in a, in a conference uh, or the overall seed in the National Hockey League, uh, you go a bad five, six days, uh, you're not winning. And you have to be hitting your stride at the most important time. And you just never know when a, a game is going to change, let alone a series. And I would take it a step further, Jim, is that you know, th- these are franchise-altering uh, happenings in, in the NHL playoffs. And look, it, it costs people their jobs when you don't win and you're expected to win. So I think in, in our sport, in the National Hockey League, is that you could have a one seed and have 140 points and then go take on a team that you know, is 40 points less than you, and they can find a way with a hot goaltender and a little bit of belief and some intimidation. They can knock you off the mantle, and, and I think that's what makes it so great. The, the theater, uh, it is must-see TV, and it's the best reality TV around because you just never know what's going to happen from shift to shift, let alone period to period and game to game. And the, the, the difference between intensity, Jim, and you know this for a long time, the difference between regular season hockey and playoff hockey is immense. It's an 82-game regular season. Uh, you know, you, you're finding ways to tape it together, to get into towns, to accumulate as many points. And look, just get in. Just give yourself a chance to get in, because once you get in, the intensity goes up. I, I don't know what number I could quantify it at, but I certainly know is that uh, the rink gets a little smaller come playoff time, and it seems like you're out there against six and seven guys almost every shift because every shift matters and that's the mindset of a hockey player and a hockey team is that you just never know when a game or a series is going to change and I think that's what makes it so great all right then to that point Eddie for instance you were talking about Washington's quote Stanley Cup pedigree how does that then show up this time of year and how beneficial is it to have it well when you have some adversity and until you actually win it Jim and we've had this conversation over the years is you think you know what it takes to win but in ta- in, until you actually attain it, you have no clue what it takes to win. And, and I lived it as a player, as you mentioned, winning the Stanley Cup in 1994 at the New York Rangers. I had played 10 years in the show. I had played 10 years in the National Hockey League, and I'd gotten to the conference uh, finals in the West my rookie year in the NHL with the Chicago Blackhawks. We played Edmonton. We lost four games to two, and I never got any closer. And you think you know how you think you know how hard you have to work, and you ha- and you and you think you know. The re- realizing the sacrifice and the understanding of two things as a role player, because every player has a role on a team. You got to accept and you got to execute. And I think once you're able to accomplish that, and then you finally win, Jim, it's like, oh man, that's what it takes. Like you, you thought you knew what it took to take, but it, it's it's way more than you ever believed. And once you get a taste of it, it's like, man, there's nothing better. There's no better feeling like that. And look, you need a little bit of luck. You need the stars to align. You know, matchups are certain. You know, um, uh, matchups are a certain part of 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 how a trail goes. Um, you, you know, you got to have the guys. You got to have the difference makers, and uh, you got to have the ability to be able to conquer adversity because at some point adversity is going to hit. So for Washington, of you know, winning the first couple in round one against Carolina and then losing the next two and not playing very well and only scoring one goal in two games and one of those was the only goal was a power play, you know, they can lean on what they've done in the past. And, yeah, they've made some changes. Barry Trotz now with the Islanders, the new head coach there. 
Todd Reardon, former assistant coach, now the head coach there. So there is a different dynamic, but the main guys, the you know the Ovechkins, the Backstroms, the Carlsons, the the Oshies. Unfortunately, he's hurt right now, but you know, I, I think you rely on what you've done in the past to help you get over those little bit of potholes. Look, it doesn't mean that they're going to win. It doesn't mean that they're going to beat Carolina. It doesn't mean they're going to win another Stanley Cup. But you do have a confidence and you do feel a little bit taller. You do feel a little bit stronger. And you say, hey, we've done it once. Why can't we do it again? Because, look, everybody questions. Remember all the years of people questioning Alexander Ovechkin. Can, Can he ever win? One of the greatest goal scorers we've ever seen in the National Hockey League. Can he win? Does he have the ability to be able to lead? Uh, he's changed his game over the course of the last couple of years. He's done an amazing job, and yes, he finally was able to do it, so it put all of the naysayers to rest. Uh, now he wants to do it again because he knows what it takes, and uh, we'll see if Washington can accomplish that. Well, Eddie, that's right, and not only the things that were said about him, but the things that were said about that franchise, because for so many times, for so many instances, they weren't able to finish, and then they win it all, and so that rap is put to rest. Clones, if we had to sum up what this show is all about, it comes down to one word, performance. And I think you can relate to this too in whatever it is you do, whether it's an important meeting, a business trip, or you're fighting that afternoon crash. Sometimes you've got to have a boost, but you want an alternative to coffee or sugary energy drinks. I get that. In fact, I've got your answer. I discovered something that will help take your game to the next level. It's called Dawn to Dusk by Brickhouse Nutrition. Dawn to Dusk was designed to be a healthier, more effective alternative to typical energy supplements. With as little caffeine as a single cup of coffee, Dawn to Dusk provides up to 10 hours of clean energy. It heightens focus, it improves your mood, and unlike coffee or energy drinks, there are no jitters or crash, just clean energy and focus with no calories or sugar. What more could you ask for? Go to BrickHouseRome.com. Get 15% off your first order with the offer code Rome. 100% satisfaction guaranteed. You've got nothing to lose. You have everything to gain. BrickHouseRome.com. Once again, BrickHouseRome.com. Now, speaking of Ovechkin, and you know that I've got fundamental respect for this game and the guys who play it, I would never try and pursue like some low-hanging fruit, but that was really something to see him knock out Andrei Svechnikov the yeah. way he did. I mean, we're talking about a guy that hasn't fought since 2010. Where do you come out? For instance, if you get on the ice and you play that game, is everything fair game, or was he maybe fighting out of his weight class? Where do you come out on that? Mm. Well, look, I mean, they've had their own little individual battle going on throughout the season. I mean, Svechnikov, a young 19-year-old rookie in the National Hockey League, uh, going up against, I'm sure, an idol of his, without a doubt, both being, uh, you know, from Russia. You know, but they had gone at it earlier in the series, a couple of pitchforking incidents. You know, they come nose-to-nose a couple of times. And, you know, look, I, I think that if, if you're a young guy and you're trying to make your mark, uh, you better know what tree you're barking up and, you know, look, Ovechkin got his gloves down first. I'm sure that they were communicating in Russian, saying, you want to go, you want to go. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, Ovi got his gloves down first, and the kid dropped his gloves, and they were throwing them. And then, you know, unfortunately for the youngster for, for Carolina, he took one right on the button and, uh, you know, took him out of the series for a couple of games. But uh, it's it's always been a part of our game, Jim. You know that. And uh, if you're going to attempt to do that, uh, you have to be prepared for the consequences. And look, I give the kid credit for trying to stand in there with Ovechkin. And look, Ovechkin, there's no doubt in my mind, 
Alexander Ovechkin felt bad about what took place, without a doubt. There, there is no doubt. Look, at no player likes to see another one go down uh, like a sack of hammers and, and, and be hurt. I mean, that, but that's just part of the game. And, uh, you know, I give the kid credit. And you know what, if anything, I think it might have galvanized Carolina to show, you know, that youngster stepping up and taking on uh, the grade eight. And uh, they eventually won that game three, won game four, and, uh, you know, the so-called rest is history right now in the middle of the series. Unbelievable. All right, Eddie, so let me transition. Uh, before I get to your thoughts on the Kentucky Derby, and we'll talk some horses right now, let me ask you for a minute about your handicapping. I mean, you have become a renowned handicapper. I want to know how you first got the bug for the horses, for those who do not know, and how did you teach yourself to handicap? Yeah. Well, I went to the racetrack in Chicago, Old Arlington Park, Jim, you know, way back when I think I was 13 years old. And uh, I went with an old hockey buddy's father to the track, and I just fell in love with the animal. I, I did. I just, the, the, the beauty of the animal, uh, you know, just, just the stature, uh, the power, uh, you know, the jockeys guiding the horse. And, you know, I really didn't have any idea on the, you know, on, on, the, on the wagering aspect or the gambling aspect of it. But, you know, the more I went, the more I learned. And then you start playing numbers and you whatever. And, you know, it's funny, the first couple of times I went to the window, you know, I was playing some, you know, quinellas and exactas, meaning trying to get the exact order or the, you know, reverse order of the top two finishers in a race. You know, I go up there, bet three, four dollars or whatever. And like I said, I was 13. And, yeah, I looked probably a little bit older than 13, but I lost the first couple, and then I won and hit one, and I think I hit it for, like, $96 or whatever. And, you know, I was jacked up, so I went to the same window that I had, you know, bet before, and I handed in the ticket, and, the, uh, you know, the, 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 the number comes up, and the guy goes, hey, how old are you? And I go, you didn't ask me how old I was when I lost. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So I give, I give him a couple bucks, Jim, and uh, the rest <laughs> is history. But I, you know what? I just, I, I just started looking, talked to people, got the racing form out, and just started watching a lot of races. And uh, it just beca- it's a, it's a, as you know, I mean, and I know it's in your blood as well, in your family's blood. I mean, it's it's uh, it's a passion of mine. It always has been. Uh, if I'm not working hockey, I'm probably working the racing form or looking at a race, trying to uh, get the edge for the next uh, next time I get my feet wet. And I know you've got a passion for pretty much every aspect of the game, but notice what you started with. You started with a love for the animal. That's what you said first. I love the animal, and I feel the exact same way. I feel a certain attachment to the animal that it's almost impossible to explain. Can you even help me explain that? What is it about thoroughbred horses and the animal that you love so much? Help me with that. Well, owning horses myself over the years and uh, and seeing uh, great joy, and then unfortunately, uh, you know, just like hockey players, they break down and 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 bad things happen, and they never can get back to the racetrack, and they're, they become a part of your family. I mean, you you go and see them walk, you go and see them train, you know, you uh, you know you bring them. You know, you bring them carrots, you bring them, uh, you know, um, sugar cubes, you know, they love cinnamon. I mean, just like you just you want to you show that care because I think they certainly understand. And if anybody's a pet owner at home, they know the, you know, the uh, the relationship you have with with your pets. And, you know, and they're they're an investment. Um, They're a herd animal. You know, they're born to run. Uh, so the care is so important, and I really believe is if you you know if you if you show care and love to them, they're gonna you know they're gonna put out now whether or not they can make it from single A to the major leagues. Well, that's a whole nother story. But I, I just I've always enjoyed 
even more so, Jim, the race part of it. I've always enjoyed the behind-the-scenes aspect of hanging out on the backside early in the morning, watching them train, talking to the trainers, the grooms people, the hot walkers, you know, the exercise riders. And, and I see a lot of familiarities with hockey and horse racing. Behind the scenes, the trainers in hockey, the people behind the scenes, I mean, they're the ones, kind of the straw that stirs the drink, and then everybody else gets to see the finished product come the afternoon or nighttime for hockey. So I've, I've always enjoyed that part of it, and they, just, they do become a part of, of, of your fabric, and you always, you know, I've always found myself going there and, and killing some time and just spending some time with the horses and getting to know them, and, and they know who you are. When you're around a lot, they certainly know who you are, and uh, there's no better feeling when one of your own... Uh, you know, uh, recognizes you in, in that type of setting. Oh, it's the best. It is the best thing. So in terms of the race itself, Ed, as usual, life is very good for our guy, Mike Smith. He's 53. He continues to defy logic. He beats back Father Time. He won the Triple Crown on Justify last year for Bob Baffert, but decided to give up his mount on Baffert's Roadster, who won the Santa Anita Derby to ride Omaha Beach. What do you make of that decision? I mean, I, I was surprised. Um, I think everybody uh, with our horse racing team at NBC thought that Mike would stay with Bob because of the success, success that they've had. And obviously, as you mentioned, Jim, coming off the Triple Crown with, with Justify. Um, I mean, I think it's an interesting uh, decision. Uh, I think on the surface, your first reaction is, is that Mike thinks that uh, Richard Mandela, who is, still, who is one of the top conditioners we've had for many, many years in, in thoroughbred horse racing, is still looking for that first Kentucky Derby um, that M- Mike feels, and the reason he would take Omaha Beach is because he feels like he is much more suited for the distance of the Kentucky Derby and maybe sitting on goal compared to Roadster. And I, and I think that is the the one thing that I think everybody would 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 feel, and that's exactly what I thought. But I I I fell in love with Roadster uh, last fall, and over the course of the winter, knowing he had some surgery and, and coming back, and all the rain in California, you know, the work schedule wasn't great for Bob, but you know, ran a good race, and uh, you know, allowance race, and then you know, I I I got him on the futures, Jim. I I got Roadster two different times. I got him in February at twenty four to one. Mm to win the Derby, and I got him at 19-1 to in March uh, to win the Kentucky Derby. So when I saw him win the Santa Anita Derby, and actually I was in Nashville, I was in Smashville doing a Blackhawks-Predators game, and I was watching watching the race in between, I think it was in between the first and second period. like I, it was a breathtaking move for him to win, and I thought, man, look at, I mean, not surprising that Bob would have another horse like this, uh, but the way that he did it, uh, Bob has always thought a lot of this horse, and I went, wow, I got some value going to the Kentucky Derby with a couple of uh, future wagers on 24 and 19 to one on Roadster, thinking that he's probably going to be now. I mean, with Mike choosing Omaha Beach, and I know I'm going off the rails a little bit here. No, no, you're good. With 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 Mike choosing Omaha Beach, you know, I got to think that that's going to sway quite a bit of money towards Mike's mount. So maybe maybe Roadster gets seven to one, maybe mm. eight to one, which, you know, is still a great price. And, you know, if the Derby was tomorrow I would not go away from Roadster just because of this decision by Mike Smith. And oh by the way, Florent Giroux is a pretty damn good jock, by the way, that's picked up the mount for uh for Bob Bafford. So you know what, Jim, I 
other than that, I mean, I don't, I couldn't tell you. I just, it did catch me off guard and anybody that I've communicated with, uh, I was a, a tad surprised, but I think that's all you can go on is that Mike thinks that this horse is sitting on a, on a huge race come the first uh, Saturday in May and, and Mike's looking for his third Kentucky Derby win and uh, second in a row and, and Mr. Mandela's looking for his first Kentucky Derby. Well, Eddie, you, if anybody knows about value, you know about value. So there's a lot of value in that. And, you know, I, I consider Mike a friend because Mike has ridden, or Mike was the jockey on our two biggest horses, but Mikey, he plays it pretty close to the vest. I really think sure. that if I were to ask him, he would not tell me. I, I interpret that exactly the way you do, and I mean that honestly. I do not think that he would tell me if I asked him a straight question as to why he got off that mount for the other. I have to think that he thinks that it's going to give him a better chance to win. Let's talk sports. Let's talk business. In fact, let's talk both. As any coach or GM will tell you, the foundation of any great team is great talent. So it's no surprise that teams dedicate so much time and effort towards finding the right players. The same rule applies when it comes to hiring. You've got to have top talent, but you don't have to have endless resources to find it. Luckily, what you do have is ZipRecruiter. And that's because they scout the talent for you. With ZipRecruiter, one click sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards. But they don't stop there. Their powerful matching technology scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and then invites them to apply to your job. In fact, ZipRecruiter is so effective. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site on the very first day. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash clones. Write this down. The product is awesome. You can try it for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash C-L-O-N-E-S. ZipRecruiter.com slash clones. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, so Eddie, you and I have talked in the past, obviously, extensively about your battle with colon cancer. And even now, I think, Eddie, I bring this up because I think there are people listening that may not know that part of your journey. And there's no telling how many people you've already helped and how many you could still help by sharing that part of your story. And I mention this, and I say this every time this comes up, I really think that everybody listening knows somebody or knows somebody who knows somebody that's battled cancer. My father had leukemia. I've seen that devastation up close. Eddie, what in the world goes through your mind when you pick up a telephone call and you're told that you have colon cancer stage three, how do you process something like that? Well, it was August the 4th at uh, 7.07 p.m. 2017 that I got that call, Jim. Uh, I had had a six-hour surgery five days prior to that to remove a a tumor the size of my fist and uh, 14 inches of my colon um, because one day I woke up and couldn't go to the bathroom. And that call... uh, you know, our phone was hooked up to our TV, and I was resting in my bedroom, and my wife happened to be standing next to me, and the phone rang three, four times, and it came up on the television that it was Northwestern Hospital, and that's a Friday night, and I'm going, that's, I say to myself, Jim, I go, that's not a good call to be getting on a Friday night from Northwestern Hospital at 7.07 p.m., and the phone rang a couple of times, and my wife said, you're going to answer it, and I, I looked at her, I said, I can't, I can't answer it, and she goes, you have to answer it. So after about six or seven rings, I picked up the phone and, you know, I said hello. And uh, it was Dr. Scott Strong um, who had performed the surgery and sent out the, uh, the tumor for the pathology report. And uh, he pretty much it was like a 30-second conversation, Jim. And, 
And Dr. Shong said, Eddie, uh, your report came back, and uh, you have stage 3 colon cancer, and we're recommending six months of chemotherapy, and then we will reassess after that. And I, I just uh, I paused, and uh, I said, okay, Doc, I, I appreciate your time. And uh, he told me that uh, Mary Mulcahy, the lead oncologist at Northwestern Hospital in Chicago, would be contacting me to set up a meeting. And I hung up the phone, and... My wife, I could see she heard, you know, kind of what Dr. Strong said, and we had a moment, and I was scared. I mean, I'm still scared, even though I'm, you know, I'm cancer-free. I got a big scan coming up uh, the week of the Derby, actually, my first scan post-chemotherapy. Um, but it was one of those moments where you're like, okay, like how, how do I tell my kids? And out of everything that happened to me, Jim, um, the medicine the side effects, um, feeling like I let everybody down because I was ill, to have that conversation with my four, my four kids. And look, my, my kids are older. Um, my son, Eddie, will be 30 soon. My son, Tommy's 28. My daughter's 23. And my son, Nick, is 21. So, I mean, they're, they're older. They, they, you know, they weren't young kids. But to have that conversation with them, you, you – you know you're going to hurt them with what you're going to tell them. And that's the last thing, as you know, Jim, as a parent and anybody out there listening, is it's the last thing you ever want to do is hurt your kids or feel like you let them down. And they were scared. And, 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 and I felt like the worst person in the world is because I was letting them down because I was sick and I was worrying them. And that was the hardest thing was to have that conversation with them. And, and we just said as a family, look, like we're going to, we're going to battle. We're going to go day to day. Uh, I'm going to do everything that uh, you know. I'm going to do everything that the doctors want me to do, and uh, we're going to do this together. And it's not going to be easy, but we're 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 in this together as we as we are. Whether any, anything is great or anything is you know the opposite, and we just you know you just absorb it, and uh, you know you ju- you just start thinking a lot. You think about your mortality. You think about your you know, so-called legacy. Um, but the one thing, and I've told you this, Jim, before, is that the one thing that helped me get through was I, I was very much at peace with my life when I was diagnosed with stage 3 colon cancer. And what I mean by that is I, I've, always, I've always emphasized and told the most important people in my life what they mean to me and how much I appreciate them. And my wife of 30 years is right at the top of that list. And, you know, and this has been going on for a long time. And I just always would say, look, you know, God forbid if something would happen, I I would not want to leave this earth having you not know how much you mean to me and, and what you've been able to bring me and share with me and everything we've been able to accomplish as parents and the kids that we have and the life that we have. And it always would be nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. But I just, I've always lived like that, Jim. And I think it helped me get through and look, there were nights when I would wake up and go, you know what, if this is it, if, 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 if I can't beat this, cause I'm going to try like hell, but if I can't beat this, um, at least the most important people in my life know how I feel about them. And that helped me get through. And people ask me all the time, Jim, like, do I look at life or did I look at life differently when I was battling? And 
the answer was no. I, I, I just, I, I felt, I felt at peace, and that's the only way I can describe it. And I think it helped me. I think it, it kept me at ease. There were no wishes or, or grudges or anything like that. And um, I, I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about people. Um, but that helped me get through some of the toughest times in my life. Because, look, there were times when I wanted to quit. I mean, I was in treatment, too. And anybody that knows anything about chemotherapy, uh, it takes over your body. It consumes your body. You can't control a lot of things. And, like, for me, two of the things were nosebleeds and going to the bathroom. Like, it, you can't stop it. Like, once you go, it's coming, and you got no shot. Like, you better be around a toilet. If not, you're going to, you know what, the floor. Like, that's just that's what happens. And it happened to me during treatment too. And I told my wife, I'm done. I quit. I, I'm, I can't do this. How am I going to get, this is treatment too. This is, this is in the middle of September. I started my first treatment on September 11th of 2017. And this is, you know, this is like the 26th or 27th of September. And I'm like, how am I going to get to February 21st? I can't even get through one and a half treatments. And my wife grabbed me by the short hairs and she said, fight for me fight for our kids and fight for all the people that love you. And we had a moment and we cried and cried and cried. And I just said, it's hard. It's hard. And I said, okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to take this thing on one day at a time. So I would take my treatments every two weeks for 48 hours and uh, no better feeling that, than getting unhooked after a 48 hour treatment, Jim. I would, I would love when nurse Joe would come to the house and unhook me. And uh, I was like, okay, there's one. There's two, you know, there's five, there's six. And I set goals for myself, you know, I was doing more games and, and being at my daughter's graduation at Alabama and celebrating Christmas with everybody. And, you know, you got the Pegasus at Gulfstream. And, and then all of a sudden I got two more treatments to go. And then it's Super Bowl Sunday. And I'm like, okay, I got one more to go. And uh, I just, I, I had so much support. I couldn't have been a luckier guy with the team of doctors and the friends and the family and a lot of people that I didn't know that reached out to me, Jim, and helped me get through because uh, I could never have done it by myself. But I really feel that um, I was at peace. And if the doctor came back to me and said, okay, Edzo, that's it. You know, this is it. It's, uh, you know, you've been here 51 years and uh, this is it. Um, I was content, and uh, I, I hope that people out there that hear my story is that I can either help them battle it, help them stay away from it, or help them get through it, because uh, I, I tried to be as honest and upfront as I could without being overbearing, but at the end of the day, as if I can help one person uh, the rest of my life. Uh, then it was well worth me uh, being able to tell my story. And I've appreciated the support, Jim, from you and your family and uh, the texts and the calls and, and on your shows uh, to be able to tell my story. And I'd like to think I've had an impact on somebody out there, whether I know them or not. And uh, hopefully uh, we can find a, a cure to this, uh, to this horrible disease. Oh, Eddie, I know you have. I so appreciate you sharing that story once again because I know that's not easy. And there's no telling how many people you've helped with that. I understand. You're busy. It can be frustrating, especially if you're in a hurry or you're running late to find yourself stuck at a railway crossing waiting for the train to go by. If the signals are going and the train's not even there yet, you might even feel tempted to try to sneak across the tracks. Don't do it. 
ever for any reason. Trains are going a lot faster than you expect them to be, and they cannot stop. Even if the engineer hits the brakes right away, it could still take a train over one mile to stop. And by that time, what used to be your car is now just a crushed hunk of metal. And what used to be you, well, better not think about that. The point is this. You cannot know how quickly the train is going to arrive. The train can't stop even if it does see you. The result is a disaster. So if the signals are on, the train is on its way. And you need to remember only one thing. Stop. Trains can't. Make sure you stop because the train cannot. I'm so moved by the entire thing, but... The thing that really resonates with me is something you just said, and that's that you were at peace. Because my father was 50 when he was diagnosed with leukemia, and he lived to be 59, but as it got into his brain, he had brain surgery, I can remember him saying to me, I'm good, I'm fine, I've had such a better life than I ever expected. I never expected to have a company, I never expected to have great kids, I'm good, everything's fine. And I used to just marvel at it, say, how are you fine? You're such a young person. And he would say, because I lived a much better life than I ever thought. It helped him. Ed, just like it helped you, I really understand what you're saying. It helped him deal with the horror of the diagnosis and the treatment because he was at peace. There really is something to that. Well, I, again, I don't know how I, uh, I, I lived it. Jim, I don't know how I learned it. I, I know of you know of my folks uh, who were front and center as well through with me through this battle, but it just was that um, understanding is that look, you know, we hear we hear coaches and managers all the time, Jim. Don't we do in sports? Is uh, well, this guy's day to day. You know, he pulled a he pulled a hammy, or he's got a knee, or he's got a shoulder. Well, look in the big picture, we all are. Aren't we all day to day? Like, right. we, there's nothing. There's nothing for sure. There's nothing given. There's no guarantees, and uh, it didn't. This this battle for Eddie Olchek, and look, and I know Jim. There are a lot of people out there that were way worse off and are worse off than Eddie Olchek, and I pray for those people and I pull for those people. And uh, I talk to a lot of people that, uh, that are battling, and I try to brighten up their day just a bit. But all I can do in, 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 in telling my story is to let people know that, you know, like it's okay to pick up the phone or to go see somebody that means a lot to you and just let them know. Like when you, when you wake up in the morning or you put your you know, head to a pillow at night is to let your let your family, let your friends just say, man, I, I love you. I, I do. And I just, I learned that as a young kid and I carried it um, for, you know, for the rest of my life, I hope. And uh, I just want to try to make a difference. And I kind of feel now, Jim, is that that's my purpose in life outside of my jobs is to inspire people to tell my story. Um, I'm in the middle of, uh, well, not in the middle, I'm pretty much through three quarters of a, a book that I'm writing now, and a lot of it is about my life, where I came from. A lot of horse racing in there, Jim. Good. So, uh, and, and also my cancer battle, and uh, we want to make sure that uh, we're, we continue to share my story and hopefully, you know, if, hey, somebody doesn't feel good, raise your hand. You know, go see a doctor. Uh, you know, colonoscopies. I mean, go get them done. They're Look, at, I'd rather see you go have 24, years, uh, 24 hours of a crappy day, literally, uh, <laughs> instead of having to go through six months of, of chemotherapy. And uh, all I can do is, uh, is continue to uh, tell people who I am, what I've been able to uh, you know, go through and endure and, and uh, hopefully inspire somebody, like I said earlier, to either battle through it 
stay away from it uh, or help support somebody out there that is having a difficult time because I certainly know front and center of how difficult it is. And I so appreciate it. And I know those listening appreciate it as well. It is so great to get caught up. I appreciate you. I appreciate our friendship. I always appreciate these conversations. You get back to work and it's always good to talk. Yeah, thank you so much. Okay, pal. Love you. Talk to you soon. As a paid professional, to keep your clones in line and to interview the right people in sports, here is some simple advice that can help you. When you're looking for pro tips on vehicle maintenance or repair, look no further than O'Reilly Auto Parts. Whether it comes to replacing your battery, getting advice on proper car maintenance, or even just getting the best bang for your buck, their expert team can help you out every step of the way. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Enormous thanks to my guy, Edzo, for doing that. I mean, I could have that conversation with Eddie a thousand times and still want to do it again. You heard him say it. If that message gets through to just one person, then his battle with cancer was worth it because he fought that battle for his wife, for his kids, for everybody who loves him, and for anybody that needs that support and that encouragement along the way. In short, that's an incredible guy with an incredibly important message. And again, it's another example of the types of things that we do with this podcast, the kind of conversations that we have, conversations that we really could not have on our daily radio program. Another reason why you want to be subscribed to this so you never miss an episode. So go ahead and do that. And if you don't mind, leave a review and share it with anybody who you think might enjoy it or benefit from it. And I appreciate that so much. Now, Some disclosure here, the voicemails are down for this week, but we are working to fix that. We should be up and running by our next episode, so make sure you look for those next week. Speaking of which, I will catch you then with episode 79. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you then. I'm out.